Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show. It is show number 97, and I'm excited to be back on. Uh, the last show live here on Facebook and on Disrupt Ed TV um, was over about a month ago. I took some time off. I went away with family. I unplugged a little bit, um, but happy to be back on and, and uh, get going again get some professional development here, get some podcasts and get some learning going on. Uh, we have a fantastic guest on the show tonight, uh, Joshua Stamper, uh, hailing from Texas. And we are going to learn a lot from Josh. He is a, a master podcaster. He's an educator, assistant principal. Um, he's a parent of five. Uh, he's a foster parent, adoptive parent. You know, there's so many things that we're going to talk about with Joshua. So I appreciate him uh, making time. Uh, to be on education, leadership, and beyond. But it is great to be back uh, with you. Uh, I really missed it. I did. I, I enjoyed the time this summer with my family, uh, but I certainly uh, miss being with our, our education, leadership, and beyond audience uh, and, and you know, doing this, learning, right, and being it. Um, if you're watching live tonight, leave us a comment. Leave us a, a question. Uh, my number one fan is on. I see her there. My mom. Hey, mom. I always appreciate you tuning in. And um, but leave us a question or comment for for Joshua tonight. Um, I want to thank our our sponsor, Rocketbook tonight. Uh, I'm going to learn a lot and I'm going to write it here in my Rocketbook. If you haven't heard of Rocketbook, write it down. Rocketbook.com. It is a reusable notebook. It is a smart notebook, and you can uh, save your notes, save your sketches, save your stuff to your Google Drive. You can email it. You can Dropbox it. You can share it with other people. There's a ton of great things you could do with it. Uh, and I'm so happy to announce tonight on show number 97, uh, Rocketbook is going to be making an Andrew Murata version, uh, an education leadership uh, version. It'll have my logo and stuff on it. So uh, we'll be getting that out on my website and stuff very soon. So uh, shout out to Rocketbook for that. Before we bring Joshua on, uh, the opening segment tonight, my opening theme is what's going to be your opening theme? When you start school here uh, up in the Northeast, in New York, we're starting next week. Pennsylvania just started. I know North Carolina just started. Uh, Joshua down there in Texas, he might have been in school uh, six weeks already. Uh, but, no, I know he's been in school a couple of weeks down there in Texas. But what's your theme? When you meet the kids, when you meet your staff on the first day, what are you going to be sharing with them? What is going to be your points of emphasis for your school year? That kind of uh, um, stuff, you know, I know you have it ready, and I wanted to share mine with you tonight. Uh, mine is, or ours at Port Jervis High School, uh, is going to be Carry the Banner. Uh, Joshua and I were talking off air about the, the great Jimmy Casas, educational leader, author of Culturize, and I had a chance to go to his uh, session at the National Principal Conference, and, and he used that phrase, Carry the Banner, 
that we as education leaders need to carry the banner for our profession, but also for our schools and our communities. So that is going to be my challenge to my staff and my students and my community of Port Jervis, New York, of carrying the banner, doing great things for our school and community. And, um, you know, what, what, are, what are the ways in which we can do that? There's so many ways, right? You can uh, uh, do positive things on social media. You can uh, do community service. You can be kind to your fellow classmates and fellow colleagues, uh, supporting one another. You can join clubs and activities. You can volunteer. There's, there's so many. I could go on and on. But every person can be part of that in carrying the banner. So that is going to be our opening theme uh, in Port Jervis. And, uh, you know, students have a lot of responsibilities uh, in front of them. But this is a responsibility for all in your schools and community. And there's so many ways to do it. So that's my question to you. That's my challenge to you. Uh, certainly you can use that theme also. If, you, if, if you, you're starting school next week and you, you're still scrambling, saying, I, I don't know what I'm going to open with, try it. Carry the banner. Check out Jimmy Casas and Culturize, and you'll learn more about that. Uh, but there's a ton to do. If I could help you with that in any way, don't hesitate to reach out. Andrew Murata 21 on Twitter uh, is my, my Twitter handle and certainly uh, on my website, andrewmurata.com. Enough of all that. We are going to bring in tonight's guest. Uh, there he is live from East Texas, Joshua Stamper. Welcome to the program, Joshua. Oh, Andrew, it's such a pleasure to be on your show. This is uh, exciting. And uh, you know it's a little it's a little nervous here. I got a I got a, an excellent podcast around the other line, <laughs> so I got to bring my A game tonight. I don't know about that. You do a wonderful job. Yeah. Well, we've learned from each other, and uh, you were nice enough to have me on your show. And you know, Josh and I uh, were able to connect through social media, right? I followed his work, he followed mine, and mm -hmm. uh, we're helping one another and supporting one another uh, in these ventures. So, Joshua. That being said, you know the name of your show is uh, Aspire. Um, why don't you tell me how did you get started doing it? Uh, and and I love the name. You know, where did you come up with that name? Sure. So the process really was in my last district. I was building a program for aspiring leaders, and with that program, we had about six sessions through the year, and it was just kind of that in-house workshop model of really getting in there and giving our teachers, our teacher leaders experiences um, to really hone in their skills and see if they even wanted to be an administrator. And really it was just kind of open to here are some more opportunities for you throughout the district. It wasn't just honing in on the administrative piece. A lot of them thought they wanted to be administrators. And through those six sessions, they kind of learned if they wanted to aspire to be an administrator. So through that process and through that workshop model, I found just this longing of growing more leaders um, through that. And this, the program was so successful that the district actually took over the program and they took it over completely. And so I was kind of looking for some, some way to provide that professional development to others. And so I sat down with some really good friends and just kind of hammered out an idea of what that would look like. And so we talked about blogging and I actually had another person I was talking about even co-hosting a, a podcast and it kind of ended up that I did it myself and Aspire just kind of sounded <laughs> kind of like the program I had before. It was aspiring leaders and what we were doing. So that's kind of where it developed from. Very cool. And how long ago was that, Josh? And, and you know, like, and then from that workshop ending, 
to the start of the program. How long did all of that take? It took kind of a, a, a decent amount of time. It probably took about six months because, you know, that program ended at the end of the school year in May. And then I didn't actually come up with the idea. We sat down, I sat down with um, Jeffrey Veal and we had breakfast together and he's the, he's one of the creators of lead up chat and really came up with the concept of, you know, what would a podcast even look like? And he just kind of was my sounding board in regards to the podcast. And um, also talked with Todd and Sloney. He was into the kids deserve it podcast at the time and just kind of used him as kind of a director of kind of what was the logistics, kind of what me and you talk about quite a bit of just the process and what does that look mm-hmm. like on the tech technology side? What does it look like as far as getting guests that, you know, just the ins and outs of the, of the podcast. So between those two guys, I really found my niche and, and the direction I wanted to go. Yeah. Okay. I thought you say, Joshua, how about you're asking the questions, right? You and I could talk probably for hours and I have a question list here. And, and now just talking with you a couple minutes, I, I have a question that's not on the list here, which is about <laughs> asking, which is about asking questions for the guest. And then like when they say something, you, you know, do you, do you go off script or you, you keep moving forward? How do you, how do you pick that balance of, should I keep going down this path with this guest? Yeah, that de- that definitely is kind of the balance. I'm much better about it now than I was a year ago. So I, I've started the podcast over a year ago, and I was very scripted when I first started. I had a bank of probably 20 questions, and most often I would hit the majority of those 20 questions. Now I've probably got a bank of about 50 to 60 mm-hmm. of different topics, but it really is responding to, like you just did, off the cuff, okay, I've have another question I want to ask to help the guests expand on this topic. And so I'll ask a follow-up question. So it's, it's probably now more 50, 50 of impulsive questions that I am asking versus the scripted, what I have of my bank. Yeah. And I thought you did an amazing job of really listening. Sometimes as the guest, yeah, as the host, you, you, you have to carry the guest, but most times if you're talking to somebody that has something to say, you kind of just let them go, but you did a fantastic yeah. job of listening on your program and, and not, not interrupting the person. No, I honestly, the podcast, I wanted to not be about me. It's about amplifying the voice of those who have been in their role and their experience and trying to allow them to express as, as best they can. So I definitely feel like my role is getting out of the way and, and hoping that they're able to provide just wisdom and knowledge to my, to my listeners. Cool. Joshua, let's uh, shift gears a little bit to your your, your real job, your daytime job. Uh, <laughs> you are currently an assistant principal uh, at a middle school. Why don't you tell us your, your journey about how you, you got to that, uh, and then we'll follow up with what's your theme this year. So tell me your journey sure. about getting to that administrative role. That's a long journey, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know how far we want to go back, but my role before even in education, I was a graphic designer and up in Minnesota, the economy was really struggling and my job got dissolved. And so I had to really think about what career path I wanted to take. And thankfully I have a fantastic wife who guided me and directed me toward my passions, which was art and, and soccer. And so 
I went back to school at Bethel University um, where I got my undergraduate and took night classes and was a paraprofessional and a coach, a soccer coach at the high school level and went through that program for two years. And at the end, I got my licensure to become an art teacher. And when I was trying to find a job in Minnesota, it was really, really difficult. It was really teaching off a cart halftime or halftime at one campus, halftime at another. And there really was not an ideal situation. So we just had our first child and we were looking at Texas of all places because my in-laws were down here. And so we flew out and I told my wife, if we could get a job over the weekend, then we would move down here and Lo and behold, we both got jobs that weekend, so we we packed up, and two weeks later or a month later, um, we were moving down. So um, from there, I was an art teacher and coach for six years at Murphy Middle School in Plano, ISD, and then was promoted to dean of students, where I did that for one year at Frankfurt Middle School, and then the next year, I was promoted to assistant principal at Renner Middle School, where I was for four years, and then just made the change, and this is my second year in a new district, Frisco ISD, and this is the uh, same city I live in, and still in the same role as an assistant principal. Okay. And, you know, you mentioned the name of your, your podcast is Aspire. You know, mm-hmm. is aspiring to become a principal something that you feel that, you know, because once you've been in a principal, assistant principal for five, six, seven years, that can wear on you a little bit. Is this something that's, you know, knocking at you now to to become a principal? Is that next for you? Yeah, most definitely. I think that was always the goal was to to be the leader of a campus. And so that's definitely something I'm aspiring to do. Um, I did make the change to a new district. So I did feel like I might be taking a step back to take a a step forward. And there were a lot of reasons why I made that change. Um, One, it's closer to home, but two, I just felt like I needed to grow in some other areas. Um, something I was lacking in and really had to take some some time to self-reflect and and decide, okay, what areas would make me a better leader? And I just had to make that decision that the campus I was at was, was not the place to, to make that growth. So although I'm, you know, entering my seventh year, I do feel like I can always grow um, to become a better leader. So um, although I'm content in the place I am right now in the moment, most definitely I feel like in the near future, I'll be, um, wanting to take that step forward and be a, become a principal. And, and I wish you the best in that journey, Joshua. Hosting the podcast and meeting such great educators like Todd Whitaker and Jimmy Casas, people that you've, you've mentioned here, uh, Eric Schininger, mm-hmm. you know, how, tell me some things that you've taken from them and literally go into work in the next day or two and start implementing some of those things. Tell me some of those leadership characteristics that you've learned over the years hosting your podcast that have helped you grow as a leader? Oh my goodness. There are so many opportunities uh, (laughs) that they've provided as far as growing in my leadership. And it's more, I don't know if it's like specific tangible things that I've actually taken from them and, and implemented on my campus. I think it's more philosophies and, and looking at students, the community, my teachers, you know, how to handle certain situations. I think it's more about mindset and that growth than, actual like taking initiatives that they talk about and in, in implementing into my campus. Um, I think it's more just, I don't know. This is probably the same for you too, is just after you get done with a podcast, you kind of sit there and you reflect on everything that they said and how that correlates to your own campus and correlates to your own self. And um, I don't know how you feel about like journaling or blogging or that type of thing. But a lot of times that's where a lot of my concepts come from or, 
um, even doing like a, a bonus podcast is maybe taking a concept they talk about and, and talking about that even further in my own journey and my own, own experience. So, you know, they, it's more just overall philosophy, you know, for instance, like with Eric Schoeniger, it's like technology and his, his concept of taking technology and what is that role of technology on a school? Does it really enhance learning or does it take over learning? For instance, does it, is a teacher even needed? Well, no, obviously technology is, is that support piece. Obviously it's there to help, but it's not going to be the sole proponent to create growth with students. So it's more, again, just a hierarchy of, of concepts and how can that be translated to my own campus? Cause everyone's campus and their own experiences are different. The kids on my campus are going to be very far different to someone that's talking about a title one school. You know, I don't work at a title one school I have in the past. And some of those concepts would easily translate, but for where I'm at right now, I kind of have to mold it and shift it to make it my own and for my own kids. Sure. Sure. And, and, you know, you mentioned about the philosophies, right? Sometimes us as school leaders, we listen to the loudest staff members. <laughs> yes. Um, whereas then Todd Whitaker has always said, mm-hmm. right, you listen to your best staff, yep. not the loudest staff. And that's something that he said. I've heard him on say it on your show. I've read yep. it in his books. And, right, you take that philosophy uh, and then, yeah, you start, you know, you don't need to just listen to the loudest person or the person who – complains the most in your office, you know? Yeah. And with, um, with Todd Whitaker too, like he's talking about everyone else is watching that teacher and how you react to that teacher and how mm-hmm. you handle that teacher. And if you mm-hmm. let it go <laughs> and you let that behavior continue, well, obviously those other folks are going to see that and they're going to follow suit. So yeah, Todd Whitaker was amazing about talking about like how to handle best teachers and, and your staff. I thought he did a phenomenal job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're working in a middle school now, Joshua, mm-hmm. you know, those kids are squirrely that age. <laughs> how do you manage that age? And, and then certainly how do you, how do you manage these things uh, with those kids, uh, you know, down there in Texas? I know they're the same as here in New York. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's only so much as far as control. I mean, obviously we're a, we're a campus that loves technology. We want them to be able to use technology but at the same t- point, you want to provide expectations with your middle schoolers. They have to know what those ex- expectations are. So with our campus, what we do is a kind of a green light, red light, yellow light, um, as far as devices, every school, or I'm sorry, every classroom has that. And they have that on their overheads and on their doors. So that way students know, okay, this is a day that we're going to use our device. Obviously with um, technology, we have an email system. So we email our students constantly. So our teachers are going to give them that opportunity to, to look and see their email and see where they need to go for tutorials or uh, we have an in, in-house in, during the day, we have a tutorial system too, and they, they need to, to know where they're going for that. So obviously we're going to have technology. It's just a matter of making sure that as a campus, we are consistent with our expectations. So if one teacher is allowing free time on their devices for, let's say 10 minutes, and no one else on that team is doing that. Obviously, we're setting a precedent for that kid to then pull out their device when they're not supposed to in someone else's class. So I think for an administration staff, it's just making sure that our staff across the board is consistent with the expectations. Yeah, it's a balance. And I know the phones can can be a headache sometimes, but we have to teach these kids how to use them appropriately. Most definitely. And I think that's part of the role that we need to do as as educators is 
to teach our students how to be digital digital citizens. And a lot of times my role as as a assistant principal is to deal with discipline in in one year in the past when we looked at the data it was like 70% of our discipline was related to technology in some way and wow. that was staggering so at that point we had really had to look at okay what are we going to put in place to make sure that we're more consistent on our end as the adults to make sure our students are doing a better job with the devices that, that's good that you identified that uh, thing, but yeah, it's continuing to grow. Josh, you mentioned, uh, you know, about things being consistent in your district and working with your principal. I currently have an assistant principal who's been in her role for 12 years, and I have a brand new who's mm-hmm. going, he's really not even completed a whole year. How, tell me about the relationship, you know, how do you support your principal in mm-hmm. the things that she is doing, and then vice versa. How do you feel that she supports you, you know, certainly with dealing with all the circumstances that you have on a daily basis? So, I, like I said, I, I, this is my seventh year being an assistant principal, and so it's been interesting because I've had four principals that I've been an assistant principal for, and so the, my role, I always feel like, and is to support them in their initiatives and and their beliefs and how they're wanting to direct and move a campus. And they're the visionary. That's their role. And then I'm more of about implementation. You know, what is the process? How does that look? How do I get everybody on board? How do I delegate? And so I know those roles are very, very different. Um, Some of that is also on her. Um, But I need to be in a supporting role. That's, that's where I'm at, you know, um, as far as working with my other APs, you know, it's very different because my last district, <laughs> it was a dean of students. And so they handled, if not all, most of the discipline with students. And so my role was very different because, you know, I was creating the master schedule and I was looking at more of the logistics of the campus. So I was doing a lot of legwork without the disciplinary piece of it where now I'm in a role where I have to do both. So it's more of a balancing act of trying to get things done logistically and about the campus and, um, you know, getting in team meetings and look, working with my different subject matter, but then also having arts and discipline and all those other things that, that go with the job. So I feel like my role now is more of a balance. Um, when I had a Dean student, I felt like, I was providing a lot of mentorship in in that aspect because they were trying to become an assistant principal. That was their role was to to get up to that level. So I had probably more opportunities to teach. Whereas as two APs were, were equals. So we're collaborating more, um, which I enjoy. It's a different balance, but it, and it's just a different job. But for now, I really, really enjoy the collaboration piece because, you know, if we're working on discipline, I have another person that's also working on discipline with, with their alphabet. So I get to come in, okay, let's, let's put our minds together and, and how do we go about this and almost calibrating ourselves? You know, I, I handled this situation this way. How did you handle it that way? And um, I feel like we're more successful um, moving forward because of that balance. Yeah. You have to be consistent. Every situation stands on its own, but if they're in the same ballpark and you're getting two opposite punishments, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're coming to you saying, hey, Mr. Stanton, yeah. what's going on? Here? <laughs> yeah. 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 Why do you hate me? <laughs> <laughs> um, Joshua, you were so candid in our, our pre-show work and sharing about your life. And 
Um, you've mentioned your wife a number of, a number of times, um, but you and your wife are doing some special things, raising your family. Um, can you tell me the story about, you know, your five children and you've adopted three of them and, uh, you know, your foster parents as well. Uh, and you've become trained in, you know, being trauma-informed parents and, and education leaders and, and also about the ACEs, uh, you know, the adverse childhood experiences. Yeah. So tell me about that part of your life with your wife. Yeah, so we have two biological children, and then after that we felt the call to do something different. And so we really looked in a whole host of different ways. We looked at international adoption. We looked at domestic adoption at the time. I don't know if you've ever looked into it, but it's just crazy expensive <laughs> to do either one of those things. And the time commitment um, overseas, some some countries require you up to six months of time to actually be in the country. Wow. And so between the time commitment and the financial commitment, we just decided that that wasn't really an, op- an option for us. So through our church and through some close friends, we found um, some other folks that were fostering. And so we actually went over and to their house and had dinner with them and just kind of picked their brain about the process and their testimony of, of what that process looked like, even though it was difficult for them and it was very rewarding and we could see just the love that they had for their adopted children. So we went through the process and it took about six months to do our home study and, and get licensed. And from there we uh, were placed on, what's called an emergency um, list where they can call you in the middle of the night. And so that's actually what happened. Uh, A couple weeks later, we got a call at 12 o'clock at night and said, Hey, we got a a two year old. Um, You know, would you, would you take him?" And so of course we said yes. And so they brought him to the house. And so it was about 1am and it was just a bag of um, clothes, a blanket and and a couple diapers. And that was it. And, for us, it was quite the experience to just try and say, you know, this is our kiddo. We don't know how long he's going to be with us and what's that going to look like. Two years old. Yeah. And so through that process, we just knew that because when they, they train you, they, they tell you, you, you want to, the goal is always for the child to go back with the parent. So you really have to train your mind and your heart to say, okay, we don't know how long this child's going to be with us. And, and our goal is that they go and are re- reunified with their, with their parents. And, and thankfully the child that we had our first placement did go back to their parents and it was a, a success story. And from there we've, we've been licensed and we've uh, for seven years and some off and on. Uh, and we've had five placements and of the five placements, uh, three we adopted. So it's been an incredible blessing and so much so that we actually are almost licensed again, <laughs> looking for kid number six. Wow. That's amazing uh, that you, know, you opened your, your hearts and your home and uh, did that for kids that come to you as strangers. And now that, you know, they're your children. Uh, what were the ages of your children? Like, give me the order. Are your kids mixed in age wise or how does that work? Um, so we, you can give we them chose a shout out to keep them. I'm sure What's that? you can give them a shout out on the, uh, on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Milan landed that they're our oldest, they're our biological kiddos. And we always wanted to keep them the oldest. And that was just okay. something that we chose to do. Um, as far as di- family dynamics, we just felt like they, they were one and two as far as order. And, and we wanted to 
keep it that way. So sure. um, honestly, it just worked out that the ages were consistent. So, you know, it's now it's 12, 12, 10, six, five, or I'm sorry, seven, seven, six, and four. Oh, there's so many ages, but, <laughs> so many. Um, but they, they came to us in order in that way. And um, so we, we've been fortunate as far as age and, and the placements that we've got, the, the boys that we got, um, all of them came to us six months or before. So they were pretty young when we got them. I mean, that's not always how it works, (laughs) but you know, that's, that's our story. Yeah. And that's amazing. And and kudos to you and your wife, Josh, tell me about your own wellness. You know, you're a young man, uh, you're a busy assistant principal. You're doing great work with your your podcast and you got five kids under that household right now. Uh, yet you're out here sharing with others and, and making time to do this. Tell me about your, your life balance and your own wellness, you know, in this journey. Sure. So with wellness, I feel like everyone needs to have their their growth in their niche. And, and for me, I feel like my growth is not only my body, but my mind. And so my podcast is just part of that. And we, we talked before um, about this subject of, I don't want to be a person that's stagnant. I don't want to be a person that is content with my role and my position and just, I don't know how else to say that, but just my, my mind, like, I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want to be still. I, I am one that is always moving. And, um, that's kind of my personality. When I was in school, I wasn't very successful. And I think because of the reason for that was because I had to move. <laughs> I'm very kinesthetic. And so, um, my lifestyle is very similar to that. Um, I need extras. I need to move. I need to go, go, go. And even as a teacher, I was, almost crawling through my walls because I felt contained within the four, <laughs> the four walls that I had, um, sure. I, where my position now it's, I can't blink without somebody <laughs> calling me on the phone, calling me on the radio, um, you know, email me doing something. So, uh, I think I strive in that controlled chaos and that constant movement. And I, that's kind of how I am at home too. I, I thrive with, having a lot of kiddos here. <laughs> like I enjoy it. I, it's, it's never a dull moment. And so I think I play, or I, I'm sorry, I work hard and I play hard. You know, I, I give my all and a lot of hours to my campus, but I also give my all at home too. When I try to be diligent about designating time. So when I get home, I'm playing with kids you know, once they're in bed, that's when I work on my podcast. And then once I'm done with working on the podcast, you know, I spend time with my wife and I think having the diligence to make sure I break down my time is healthy. <laughs> it gives me and it fulfills me um, as a person because um, family is obviously the most important aspect of my life. And then everything else falls in between. Yeah. That time management, uh, extremely important, uh, you know, managing the schedule and all of that. Josh, you know, the trauma-informed training and the ACEs mm-hmm. and what you're doing for kids that have, have been through some rough times that you've adopted, how has that impacted you as a school leader for maybe that kid that isn't performing well in school or is causing some problems in the classroom, and now, boom, they land in front of Joshua Stamper, the assistant principal, yet who has a mindset that there might be something behind that poor behavior how have these experiences in your personal life helped you as an educational leader? 
immensely. Honestly, when I went through the training, I was kind of, well, one, I was naive, but I was kind of irritated because I was already a parent. <laughs> why, why as a parent am I having to go through the training to become a foster parent when I'm already doing this and I felt like I was doing it well? Little did I know that the training was probably the most beneficial aspect of me as a leader and, and handling student discipline. The trauma-informed care just really provided me a sense of knowledge to understand that behavior really is a language. Our kiddos are doing things because of an experience, most often trauma that they've received um, within their own life and have experienced. So uh, the ACE test is just one of many things that is used to really assess student trauma. But with that assessment, it's not that I'm trying to solve the trauma. It's just to know that there is trauma. So that way I understand that when I'm interacting with a kid, 67% of students have trauma in their life in our country. That means that that's the majority. So when I'm interacting with a student that has, has trauma in their life, I'm going to then use strategies to de-escalate the situation. Where a lot of times what I'm seeing, and this goes with any staff, every, any campus that I've ever been on, is that they assume that this student is healthy and whole and is like their own child <laughs> in that sense. Um, they speak to them as if, nothing is wrong that they've had this, you know, magical, beautiful life. And um, they come at them without having a relationship with them and without knowing their experiences and provide pretty harsh, you know, in their volume and, and sometimes even in their speech of, about directing the student and, and trying to correct their behavior. And what I'm trying to do is say, no, we, there's a better way of doing that. There's a better way of communicating. And if we understand that there's trauma in their life, then obviously we're going to take a different route as far as correcting the behavior. And the other piece of it too is changing my perspective of what punishment is. A lot of times what we do to our students or as in regards to punishment is really more for the adult than it is for the kid. And so changing that perspective of, okay, the true reason I'm here is to teach these students about their choices and about their behavior. Well, how am I sending them to ISS or sending them home to an apartment complex full of drugs really going to help these kids? Yeah. How is expelling them and sending them to who knows where going to help that child? So working the Title I school, seeing ISS, OSS not work, it was just pumping kids out into the community um, to learn how to do even worse things that they were doing in the school. And then the trauma-informed practices, it just made me realize that things are, the system in, in, in schools are broken in regards to discipline. And how am I going to correct that? Yeah, and the attention that has come out of the ACES survey and uh, leading with empathy and, and all of that, I think, is helping. And, and people like yourself that are having podcasts to get this word out uh, is helping also. Um, but that's powerful, man. And again, kudos to you and your wife, um, you know, for doing that for kids and, 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 and growing as, as school leaders, man. That's cool. Thank you. All right. We're going to get to rapid fire. Cause I know you have some quiet time with your wife coming up here. And, uh, <laughs> it's getting late here in the Northeast. Uh, Joshua, these are our rapid fire questions. Quick answer. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Last book you read. Last book I read. Let's see. Actually, I have it on my desk. Here we go. A passion for Kindness right here. 
Okay. Yeah. So who's the author there? Author is Tamara Letter. I just had her on the podcast. And okay. Man, our world needs kindness. Our country needs kindness. And so it's a journey that she had um, when she turned 40. She started to do a, an item of kindness every day. And it's kind of her journey and, and what that kind of turned into. And it, it turned much bigger than she ever realized. But um, yeah, it was phenomenal. I definitely recommend it. Cool. And I saw that with your podcast. I'm going to have to listen to that on the way to work tomorrow. I want to give a shout out to Peggy Fitzgerald. She is watching here. She wrote in here, student behavior changes with conversations, not consequences. So yes. kudos, Love Peggy. Uh, Joshua, last movie you saw? Oh, goodness. In the theater, probably Spider-Man. It's been a while. <laughs> you, you took one kid, two kids? How many, how many did you get? My two oldest. My two oldest went, yeah, cool. and they loved it. It we're, we're Marvel geeks around here. So Cool. Uh, you grew up, uh, were born in California, grew up in Minnesota, and live in Texas. Where is your favorite place to travel? Somewhere in the middle, Colorado. We go every summer, and yeah. it's absolutely beautiful. It is. It yeah. is. Uh, what's the greatest challenge in your work, Joshua? Challenge. Probably just getting everyone on the same page in regards to vision. I think we're making strides, but um, when you have uh, 100 staff members trying to make sure that we're all aligned, um, you know, we're doing some pretty big initiatives this year with standards-based grading and restorative practices and and obviously people come with their own experiences and their own beliefs and their own biases and to try and align everyone to get everyone on the same page is always a difficult thing. Amen, brother. That's a good answer. Uh, something that motivates you, Joshua. <laughs> something that motivates me. Well, we, <laughs> well, I can talk about my uh, student counselor from growing up. Um, that, that motivates me. Um, Why don't you tell that story? We'll break from the quick uh, rapid fire here. Why don't you if you don't mind. Story? Yeah, no, not, I think it'll be powerful. Absolutely. So growing up, I think it was my junior year, I sat down with my guidance counselor and it was pretty uh, standard as far as, you know, come on down. Let's talk about your future, that kind of thing. And so when I sat down with him, he had printed out all my report cards from previous years in that current year and sat them down on the table and and just asked me kind of what my goals were going to, into the future. And I had just visited campus uh, college and I said, at the time there, it was called Bethel College, now Bethel University. And he laughed at me and said, are, are you kidding? No, I, that's where I want to go to school. And he's like, you will never get in that school. You, you won't even get into a, a state university. You'll be lucky if you get into community college. And I just remember the, the fire that was inside of me after that conversation. Cause I just looked at him thinking, really, man, you're my guidance counselor. You're supposed to, you know, uplift me and, and tell me how to get into college. Don't tell me that I can't get into college. And from there on, I was just dead set on proving him wrong. And so um, I can tell you right now that I got into Bethel college. I graduated from there, went back, got my teaching license and um, you know, got my master's from there. So that to this day still gets me fired up. Um, I don't like being doubted. <laughs> in my reflection, my self-reflection, I was not very motivated at the time. And although it, it put fire in me and, and I really despised that man, <laughs> it probably was the best thing that could have occurred in my life. Wow. That's a powerful story. So all that being said is I think now, you know, 
having that that doubt back then was what I needed. But now I have the self motivation to 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 be the best. And obviously, you know, my family is a, a huge piece as far as you know making sure that I'm a, a good role model role model for my own kiddos. Um, you know, but also, um, you know, my faith too, and just being a servant leader. Yeah. Wow. You know, there's that famous saying by Maya Angelou, right? You'll forget what they said or forget what they did, but they'll never forget uh, how they made you feel. And obviously that counselor in that moment uh, did not make you feel very good, but it lit a fire under you and, mm-hmm. and good for you for, for, for reacting. You've shared three stories here where you've had experiences and took action. Uh, you know, the podcast, starting the podcast, meeting with that family uh, to then learn about adoption and fostering. And, and with this, with that guidance counselor, you know, you, you're a proactive person, uh, Joshua, getting, getting things done, man. That's cool. Well, with that, I mean, I think that was something that came with maturity because I definitely <laughs> was not like that growing up. I was yeah. one to kind of sit back and just let things happen. Uh, and I do sometimes have that laissez-faire personality. I kind of go with the flow of things, kind of even keel with that. But um, as I've grown up and through some mentoring and some influences that really were needed in my life, that that kind of shifted my thinking and and just determining that I just want to be the best version of myself. And to do that, you have to take action. Very cool. Let's get back to rapid fire. Let's do it. Uh, what, what's a pet peeve of yours? Something that gets under your skin a little bit. Well, offsides in soccer, maybe. What's the <laughs> at school? Probably providing problems without solutions. Oh, nice. Good. And answer. so, yeah, I I don't mind problems. I, you know, that's that's part of our role. Every day, there's problems. Um, but at least bring something to the table. You know, and even if it's just a terrible idea <laughs> at least it's something you bring You're to the table Absolutely. we can work through something you know even that maybe a terrible idea has a glimpse of hope and and um practicality so um yeah if you're if you got a problem don't come to the table empty i like it best purchase under 100 bucks that has made a great impact on your life oh goodness Man, that's a tough one. <laughs> you buying a this lot of stuff for those The kids, microphone right? I'm talking in. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did it get under a hundred? Because there, that could it be was. Okay. Yeah, I got it on Amazon. Uh, I got the blue snowball here, so makes you yeah. sound makes you sound good. Well, I don't know about that. Hopefully, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I there's so many so many books. I actually books probably came to my, you know my mind first. Um, but I mean, there's so many I could talk about. You know, Todd Wecker's. Uh, 10 ways to be a, uh, what was it? 10 ways to be a better principal. I'm botching the name. Uh, Kids deserve it. Obviously with Ted Nelsoni and Adam Welcome. Um, uh, Yeah, I could go on. uh, Yeah. uh, What's the best thing about living in Texas? Best thing about living in Texas. Honestly, I mean, we're, we're 106 yesterday. So the heat was probably not the best thing, but, um, (laughs) but it, Year round, I think the average is seventy. So, um, one of the reason, one of the main reasons we we wanted to get out of Minnesota was just the cold because sure. there it's nine months of snow. So, yeah. at least here, you know, we can be active and, um, like I said, my personality is to go go go. So I don't like being cooped up in the house. I like to get out and 
you know, we have a pool that's amazing um, to throw the kids in there, especially on a hot day. So um, just the ability to be active constantly throughout the year. Cool. Being a transplant there, is it required that you have to be a Cowboys fan now? Or, you, you know, is that, is that, no, is that I'm a Vikings fan. <laughs> Do you get I, dirty I, looks there? Do you wear yeah. purple in, in the city? I mean, well, in Dallas, there's so many transplants now, and there's so many companies that are relocating here that it, it's not just cowboy country. So, okay. It's pretty often that if you ask even a student, you know, what's your favorite team, they're going to say probably someone different. But yeah, it's okay. definitely cowboy country around here. But, we got a lot of transplants, so I'm not alone. Every once in a while, you'll see a, a Adrian Peterson jersey or a Randy Moss or something, you know, something old school that is in the areas. And you know, I got to give a shout out to all my kids that that do that. So nice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Being up here in the Northeast, we are not cowboy fans. We're just yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, Joshua, a short term uh, personal uh, or professional goal for you: three to five months three to five months just to grow the podcast. I think that's always been the goal just, and not even for personal reasons, just, I want to get, I just want to help people. that's honestly what it came, came about was just helping leaders and or aspiring leaders. So just wanted to continue to, to grow listenership and, and get the word out that if, if you are looking to, uh, to become a leader, at least maybe this is an avenue to, to help you and to guide you professionally. I mean, obviously just to, I mean, I talked about, you know, our, our goals on as a campus, we're doing a pretty cool initiative and, and I can't take credit for it. We stole from another middle school, but, um, we've been doing it the last couple of days and it's a part of the restorative practices, which is, um, a a technique called push-ins. And one of the things that we noticed last year was there was a disconnect between when a student was to send them to the office and then, you know, they would receive their punishment and then they come back into the classroom and there was, obviously a fracture in that relationship. And I kind of talked about that a little bit about, you know, sending kids away um, to ISS. Um, And so with that, the teachers wanted to have more ownership. And so what we've put into place is what's called a push-in. And what that looks like is when a student is acting up or maybe off task in the classroom instead of sending them to um, the front office or send them to ISS, they will call for us to go into the classroom. And so we switch places. And so I'm teaching the class and they're going out in the hallway and they're taking a walk with the student. And we've got some, some questions if they want, as far as prompts, but at least it starts the conversation. And, and that way their relationship is growing instead of it being just go away and get out of here. It's no, we're going to grow together. We're going to, we're going to teach and and learn how um, to behave and what the expectations are. And so we've done that, you know, we're only like two weeks into school, but we've already had three or four of those and all of them have been successful and the student has come back into the classroom recovered and is still learning. So pretty excited about that. Very cool. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, Joshua, a long, longer term goal, three to five years for yourself. Have my campus, have have my own campus, man. That's, that's the goal. So, um, yeah, hopefully in three to five years, I'll, I'll be in that spot where I can, be leading many and, and hopefully uh, help in a community. Well, you're leading a lot now through the different avenues. I like two words you used here on the podcast. Uh, you called them campuses and kiddos. Those are, I, <laughs> I don't use those words, and I'm going to start mixing them in here. Uh, that was great. Uh, Joshua, you mentioned the podcast a couple of times. How can yeah. people find your podcast and, and, and learn more about you? Sure. An easy way is just going to my website, joshstamper.com. Um, the other way, you know, just 
going on iTunes or Spotify, you can easily find Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast. You can reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram at Joshua Double underscore Stamper. And those are probably the most easy way to get a hold of me. Um, LinkedIn, um, the Aspire Podcast also has a Facebook page. So you can go on Facebook and, and search us up and find us on there. Cool. Well, you got you picked up one at least one fan tonight because Dory Murata, my mother, I gave you a nice compliment. Uh, <laughs> uh, so she's a fan now and she's a loyal fan. So that's awesome. Um, Josh, we usually end with a quote here. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't know if you saw this here, but do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by that you'd like to share? Yes. I have this written on my board and I, I actually have a blog post about it too um, that I used with my students. Um, at first I used it with mentoring a student, but now it's, it's definitely become my mantra. It's uh, the quote is I never lose either win or I learn. And I think that's just, uh, it, it's Nelson Mandela is the person that said it. And I think that mantra as an athlete, I mean, you and I know that's, that's how you have to go about things. Um, you know, you may, you may have the mindset that, okay, I failed. I, I lost. But if, if you have a growth mindset, then it should really be about the learning, you know, I didn't fail. I, I learned through this experience and how am I going to win next time? So um, I think our students, a lot of times they get down on themselves when they've made a poor choice or they've made a you know a bad grade. And so that mantra kind of helps them get past that moment to understand that that failure did not define them. It's about what you do in the future um, to overcome that failure. Josh, you did a great job, man. I appreciate your candidness. Best of luck, uh, you know, with you. all those kiddos that you have there under your roof and, and certainly uh, this school year. Uh, we wish you the best. I appreciate you making the time here. Oh, it's my pleasure, Andrew. It's always a wonderful time to speak with you. Cool. Follow, uh, again, Josh. Uh, you can find him on social media. And then uh, his podcast is Aspire, the Education De- uh, Leadership Development Podcast. Mm-hmm. Cool, Joshua. I'm going to cue this music up and we're going to get on out of here. Uh, we will be in touch. Thanks for coming on. Uh, and, and again, guys, uh, give Josh a follow. Uh, we're going to sign off here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Uh, if I can help you, again, on Twitter, at AndrewMarada21. One more shout-out to uh, uh, Rocket Book, our sponsor here. Um, we appreciate that. The uh, Oh, Peggy's going to be listening tomorrow. Uh, the Reusable <laughs> Smart Notebook. It's a great tool. Check it out, rocketbook.com. Uh, we're going to sign off. Let me get this queued up here, Josh. Here we go. All right, everyone, we're going to tune out. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Josh, again, great job. Thanks, sir. Have a good evening. All right.